Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 3 says, this has been our theme verse for this series. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and that is God's truth about you. He sees it more than we see it about ourselves, the knowledge of God against us, uh, with us and within us. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And one thing we've learned is uh, in order for us to be free, we really got to deal with our thought processes. And so when we started to be, really begin to deal with this, we talked about strongholds. Strongholds are here. You are a three-part being. You are a, a body, soul, and spirit. Your body is being saved. Your spirit is saved. Your mind is coming along. It's being transformed. And so the strongholds set up in our minds through experiences, through, through things that we've encountered. And so these strongholds set up, and before long, every stronghold becomes a filter, a negative or positive stronghold. We filter life through those strongholds. And so uh, if we want to uh, have life and peace, then we got to think on life and peace. If we want to have destruction and, and jacked up things, then, we gotta, then we'll be thinking upon death, is what the scripture says. And so today, I'm hoping to tackle this subject. Um, if there's one subject that you don't hear a lot about in the church, it's sex. Um, Though everybody that, that a lot of people know what it is, okay, and so, but we're going to talk about strongholds related to sexual things. Now, you ask me why I'm doing this. Uh, why would I talk about this on a Sunday morning? It's because I really feel like there are things in the world that have to be addressed by the church instead of getting our definition and our behavior from the world. And you're like, well, I don't have these issues. Just wait. Okay, just wait, because it's not, it's, not, um, it's not necessarily, well, you're looking at porn 25 hours a week. Now, there might be sexual induendos that's going on in, in your life, thought processes or, or things we make fun of or things that we joke about, things like that, that where there's this sexual presence in our life. Now, let me just start off by saying God created sex for a man and a woman that are in holy matrimony and under covenant, God created sex. There is a right way. There, there is God's way, and that is the best way, and we're going to discover that today. Now, let me just encourage you, some of you that may be dealing with some of these issues, the message is not to, in, to, in, intended to condemn you. The message is in, in, to encourage you that you can be free from everything that, that, that may, you may be bound by, that God has a great plan for you. There's forgiveness. There's grace. Um, just like he told the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, he said, where's your, where's, your, uh, where's your condemners? She said, well, they're not here. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, it's not enough just to have uh, neither do I condemn you. It's got to be I'm going to make a decision to live life where I sin no more in this area. In order to not sin in certain areas, you got to deal with strongholds. You got to deal with things that you've entertained in your mind that allows this thing to set up. And so uh, we discovered that a stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception, locked by a lie, a person living life by something that is not 
true. And so when it comes to sexual strongholds, Jesus spoke in Matthew 24 and Luke 17. You can read this. And he makes this statement, which is very interesting. He says this. He says, in the end times, Jesus said that in the end times, the days would be like the days of Noah and Lot. He makes this, he makes this statement. The days that you live in will be like, in the end times, that the days that you live in will be like Noah and Lot's days. Now, if you look at it, what does that mean? So if you go to Genesis chapter 6, this isn't on the screen. This is extra. And uh, this is stuff God gave me at, you know, a couple, two, three o'clock in the morning. And so pay attention here. There, he's going to describe what Noah's and Lot's days like. And so that's found. Noah's day is in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5, 11, and 12. And here's what it says. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every, listen, imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. He says, in the last days, in the end times, the days are going to be like Noah, where people's hearts are, 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 the imagination of their thoughts of their hearts are only evil continually. And he says, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So he says, like in the days of Noah, they, there is this, this imagination of their thoughts that has created evil continually within their heart. Now, I'm not sure about you, but when the day we're living in feels that way, where we're very self-driven people, we're very self-focused people, where we allow anything into our hearts that where, where this evil continually takes place. Why? Because we don't take authority over our imaginations and our thoughts. He says it again in 2 Corinthians, strongholds, arguments, and pretensions must be wrestled to the ground in order for you to overcome. Now, what's Lot's days like? So in Jude chapter 1, it says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves, listen, over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Notice what he says. Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody's like, well, that's homosexuality. That's what, that was going on. It's everything that was going on. It wasn't just that, the strange flesh. It was the fornication, which is any sexual act outside of marriage. So what God said is, he said that the last days are going to be like the days of Noah and Lot. In other words, our hearts are going to be far from God because our imagination runs wild. It's going to be like the days of Lot because of the sexual agenda from the world and the enemy that's on the earth. Now, I'm not sure about you if you understand this, but the pornography business is, is, makes more money and creates more revenue than National Football League, MLB, uh, hockey, and uh, Major League Baseball altogether. It's estimated a 56 to $57 billion industry. There is an agenda. Lot's day is here. Noah's day is here. The things that we're seeing on the earth is here. And the people, listen to me, the people on the earth that are being sucked in by this agenda are your kids. The average first pornography encounter today is 10 and 11 years old. Now you say, how in the world does that even happen? I'll tell you how it is. You want me to tell you? You want me to be real with you? This, how many want me to be real this morning? Oh, two people. Great. I believe one of the reasons that people, that kids that young, is because you, you are lazy parents. Oh, snap. 
Why do I mean by that? You, you have a let a technology raise your kids. You give them a computer, you sit them in a corner, and they're allowed to search whatever they want in order to find what they need in order so they stop crying, so they get out of your hair, and it's called point-and-click pornography. Before long, an image will pop up. There's no filters. An image will pop up. Your kid will click it, and it will take it into a world that it never thought it would ever enter into. The innocence of children are being, are being bombarded. The, 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 now, don't, now, I know I said lazy parents. I get the pressure of parenting, but at the same time, your laziness at the expense of making sure your kid is happy is not your agenda. It should not be your calling. It should not be, well, I worked all day, just do whatever you want to do. That's when the enemy says, great, I got them right where I want them. We're going to talk real this morning. Welcome to Real Life Church. Everybody watching, hi, how you doing? We're going to talk real. <clears throat> so there's sex lies. Let me just kind of go down the list a little bit about sex lies. Number one, or Romans chapter one says this. They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give thanks to him. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. So they wouldn't worship God. They created God within their own foolish ideas of what God was like. And it says, as a result of doing it themselves, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became other fools. How? As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Listen, they traded the truth about God for a lie. So God brings us this picture and he says, listen, as a result of not putting God first, as a result of not knowing how to control the passion, I mean, listen, uh, we're, we're beings that, that uh, uh, God created that, yeah, we have uh, sexual urges and sexual desires and God put that in us, but he put it there for a context. Solomon said, don't waken the love too early. If you waken it too early, it could get yourself in some serious trouble, and we'll look at that in just a second. In other words, God, yes, put that drive in us, and that drive has to be uh, controlled, maintained, talked about, okay? But at the end of the day, we're not animals, okay? God didn't create us animals. So sex lie number one is, is an animalistic action. In other words, we have no control. So how many of you, any deer hunters in here? Anybody deer hunt? You know, deers are, uh, you know, they're pretty normal creatures, you know. The does, you can go out hunting, and they'll just kind of kind of hop through the forest. And, uh, but the bucks, they're a little more curious, right? And they'll kind of sit on the fray when you're hunting, and they won't necessarily just walk in like, hey, guys, shoot me in the neck. No, they'll just, they'll kind of, they're going to check things out, even though there's those over there, those good-looking little white-tailed girly girls over there, they're going to hang out over here, and they're just going to be, but now when you get into rut season, these bucks become stupid. They don't care. They just jump out, oh, there's, oh, there's, oh, there she is. I mean, and it's like, they fight each other over this. That's my best, that's my best buck impersonation you're going to get this morning. <laughs> the point is, is they can't, they, they, they don't control it. During rut season, it's like they see, they see her and it's just different. And they'll do anything to get her. Well, let me explain something to you. You have a drive, but that drive must be 
channeled first off. Secondly, that drive must be brought into context. That when is the right time for this drive to become fully alive in me? Amen. And it's when you say yes to the one that God brought your way that you will say yes at an altar as a covenant before God. You will take a vow that says, all of I am, that all that I am I give to you. And he will say the same thing, all that I am and all that I have I will give to you. So be careful what you want on that day. <laughs> but after you say I do and you put a ring on it, come on somebody, put a ring on it. Then you go on the honeymoon. Then the awakened side of that drive and that desire comes into full uh, display. And that is the place of intimacy. That is the place of the highest level of, of doing it God's way where there's an intimacy that can't be broken in that moment where it's so, uh, it's so holy, it's so pure that you don't want anything else because you don't want anything that's going to defile that moment nor allow anything in early that would mess that moment up. You know, people get married today and they're like, I give my heart to you. I give, I give, I give my heart to you. But they haven't dealt with the five other hearts that they've given their heart to. So on wedding day, it's not just you standing up there. It's the five men you've been with that's standing up there. Oh, God's quiet up in this church. We should probably get some water for everybody. The point is, is that you more you give yourself away, the more a piece of your heart goes with whatever you give yourself away to, the goal is, especially if you're a teenager in this room, hear me, you want to stand before God and that person that he prepared for you wholly before him. Some of the best weddings I've ever done has been those weddings where they saved themselves for marriage. There's just something different about it. Well, we just can't. We're living in a sex-crazed world, and we can't. We can't. You can. You can. Let's pay attention. Number two is that sex is a recreational activity. Come on, this ain't ping pong. <laughs> this ain't just fun. God did not intend it for it to be a recreational activity, though it's supposed to be fun in the context of marriage. God wanted a union, not an activity. God was after a union between a man and a woman. Let me just clarify this. Man and woman. Holy matrimony, nothing else. And because of that, he says this, he says that God wanted a union. It's not just recreational activity. i got to keep going because I got sidetracked there for a second. Number three, sex is an isolated event. These are lies. Sex is an isolated event. No, it's kept in the context of the moment. That's how people think, well, I can just, it's just kept in the context of the moment. No, 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 no. God designed this thing to where you leave a part of you with it and take a part of it with you. In other words, if this thing happens outside the context of marriage, you're fooling yourself if you think it's an isolated event. It will go with you and, and you will go with it and it will create a craving in you that is really tough to control. Number four lie, sex is just physical. Oh, well, that's just how we roll these days. Everything's about feelings and emotions. I get it. But it's not just physical. Sex is a very spiritual act. It is not just an emotional thing. It is not just a physical thing. Sex is a, 
is a spiritual thing because you are a spiritual being. Oh, I can just, I can just do, I'll be all right, no problem, no worries. Man, I know people today that did not know how to manage this area that are struggling today with things because they had consequences from bad decisions. At the same time, that mercy and grace, even though we've made some bad decisions, that mercy and grace can come in and bring restoration. Amen for that. Listen, real love, again, real love is defined as a commitment to a person not a feeling. So the whole idea of what the world is saying, if it feels good, do it. That's not necessarily true. Real love in this context is defined as a commitment to a person, not a feeling. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 6 says. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ alone? So you're not your own, he says. He says, your body is Jesus, says Then he says, shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Why do you use the word prostitute? Because he's talking to people in an area in 1 Corinthians. In Corinthians, the Corinthian area was filled with this activity. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute, notice this, is one with her body? is one with her in body, in other words, or him in body. In other words, that there's a uniting of the soul that takes place. Then he says this, he says, for it is said that the two shall become one flesh. And yes, we use this as a marriage passage, but this is not just a marriage passage. This is if you're outside of marriage and you find yourself in this activity, you become one with that person. Oh, no, that's not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. <laughs> okay, all right. I lie, I fry, but I'm telling you, I've been doing this for a long time. I've seen it all. (laughs) The two will become flesh. Listen, you can't manage this. In other words, he says this, but he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. In other words, he's saying your focus in order to manage your body has to be, I'm not going to unite with the things of this world, I'm not going to unite myself to something outside of God's timing, but I'm going to, my pursuit is going to be, I'm going to unite myself with the Lord. That word united means fused at the core. He says, I'm not going to take my church and fuse them at the core to a prostitute. He said, my church is supposed to be fused at the core to the Lord himself. Well, I just want to just, I'm for counseling. Listen to me, I'm for counseling. I'm all about it. But listen to me. If your heart's pursuit is not focused on Jesus and you may don't make intentional decision to get your heart right, counseling will become a band-aid. Moving right along, 1 Corinthians 6. This is always one of my favorite messages to do at Real Life Church. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 18 says this. Here's how you deal with it. Flee sexual immorality. In other words, say this word. It's a three-letter word, and it simply means this. Ready? Ready? Say this after me. Run. Good. Run. He says run. Flee from sexual immorality. In other words, don't put yourself in a position. Holy crap. For the lights to go out. Did somebody hit a button? All right, we'll preach in the dark. You ready? This is pretty appropriate for this message. Hey, it's getting hot in here. I'm sorry. My bad. You got to take a bad moment, make it positive. All right, here we go. It says, flee sexual immorality. 
All other sins a man commits outside of his body, we're on live stream real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord for technology. Do you, here's what he says, all other sins a man commits outside of this body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. In other words, you're hurting yourself. When it comes to sexual immorality, you're sinning against your own body. In other words, you're hurting yourself. He says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? In other words, do you not realize what God has made you? Then he says, whom you have received from God, you are not your own, that you have been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Listen, the word sexual immorality is one word in the Greek, and it's the word pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. He says, flee pornea, any sexual act outside of the bond of marriage, run from it. Well, he's just so cute. Run from it. Well, he just tells me how much I, he loves me. You're 16. You don't know what love is. Just leave the lights off. You know what lust is. Because you're like that buck in the middle of the field. What's going on? So how do we overcome this sexual stronghold? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 7 in the Living Bible says, God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and clean. Come on, somebody. That's God's plan for you. God's plan is that you be holy and clean. Let me, let, me, let me say something to you. God's not trying to take, hello. God's not trying to take the fun out of it. What God's trying to do is he's trying to get you into a position to maximize the fun that he created for you in the context of marriage. You're like, well, I've been married for a long time and things, things don't seem to be as hot as they used to be. Well, maybe you need to be nice. Maybe you need to figure out their love language. And ladies, maybe you need to stop coming to bed in a full sweatsuit with a hoodie and a scarf. (laughs) You want fire? You need to figure that one out. (laughs) Overcoming sexual stronghold number one. (laughs) Make a commitment to God's way. Make a commitment to God's way. Listen, you have to trust God knows what he's doing in your life. When you find out what God says about you, you understand making a commitment to God is not a feeling. It is a decision. You can't live for Jesus apart from decision. You have to live with Jesus according to decision, not feeling, because not every day you feel saved, do you? You wake up every day and like, I'm Holy Ghost filled, Bible stomping, devil cracking, I'm all crazy and taking demons out and rocking and shocking and winning the kingdom. Nobody gets up like that. Don't let them fool you on Christian television. We live in a real world where we have real pride. I woke up this morning after doing that daggone tree limb thing. My back was killing me. I didn't feel saved. 
But by a decision that I made May of 1994 based on the word of God, no matter how I feel, no matter what I've been through, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that though my sins were like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool or restoration happens in my life. It's not a feeling thing where I'm just going to reason God. You're not that smart, buddy. Well, I just got to try to figure it out. I sound like Chris Farley right there, didn't I? That was a little different. And that's some of y'all. Sorry, I better keep going. Isaiah 118 says, though your sins are scarred. Listen, in other words, it's a decision to make it God's way. Make a commitment to do it God's way. Well, people won't like me if I live that way. People will think I'm stale. And good, let them think you're stale. You're saving yourself for the fullness of when God has a perfect plan of a man and a woman coming together in holy matrimony and saying, yes, and I do, and God, I want your best, and you're making a commitment. Commitment's not easy, especially in this world where you can just quit at any moment. Well, it's getting hard. We've been married for six months, and I can't stand her anymore, so I'm going to walk out the door. Come on, man. Really, you're weak-souled and no backbone if that's the way you think. Well, we don't have our personalities. You knew that before you said, I do. This must be for somebody watching on television today. (laughs) You knew that. Make a commitment to God's way. Listen, you cannot fully love the one that God has created you to love until you learn how to love God yourself. Make a commitment to do it God's way. Number two, manage your mind. I might be going over because of the lights. But number two, manage your line, mind. Listen, again, parents, when I say lazy, I mean passive. Passive. Convenience. Manage it. Again, the average first encounter is 10 to 11. Manage it. Figure it out. Get some controls on the devices. Don't introduce your children to things that that can corrupt their mind. Romans 8 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. So you can tell what you're dominated by, by what you think on. Well, I'm thinking about this one. I'm thinking about that one. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. No, but it's not. You're not thinking according to what he says. He says you're thinking on sinful things. If you're thinking on sinful things, guess what? You're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're controlled by your flesh, which will lead to destruction. He says this. He says, but those who are controlled. Listen, I believe this is how affairs happen. Think on the wrong stuff. And then you start, then, then, then you get into the realm where you're, where you're, well, she's just not fulfilling my needs, or he's just not fulfilling my needs, and, and so on and so on. Then all of a sudden you let your mind wander. And you let your mind wander. Let me ask you a question. When did God's word tell you that this woman or this man was supposed to fulfill your deepest need? In other words, if your deepest need isn't your heart and Jesus filling that, what you're saying is they can't meet my physical need. But listen to me for just a minute. If you get your heart fixed, the heart comes before the physical. Fix the heart, deal with the heart, love God from the heart, then maybe some things will turn around in your marriage. So you fix the heart. Manage your mind. Don't be controlled by the, whole, uh, by the things of this world, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Psalm 101.3 says this, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Well, I just can't get over it. Stop. What you starve dies. What you starve dies and what you give attention to thrives in your life. Well, it's just got, it's got this power over me. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I've given unto you all power and authority. 
And it, you shall by nothing, in, by any means hurt you. That there is authority in God's word that will help you break every stronghold, including this one. It's not so powerful. The reason you think it's so powerful is because you've given it so much attention. That's what you get up thinking about. That's what you go to bed thinking about. That's what you reason in your mind about. Listen to me. Whatever you feed will grow. So start starving it. Listen, the stray cat can't come into my house. He can come to the back door all day. He wants, looks in the door, looks in the window, looking emaciated and needing food. He ain't getting any from me. Because I know what happens. Them cats, you give them a little milk, they come back. Little stray cat coming to my house. You got to give a little milk, and then before long, it's like, oh, you don't want to sit outside anymore. Would you like to drink your milk on the inside? And so you bring the kitty cat inside, and it's drinking the milk in the inside. Then before long, the kitty cat's jumping up on the couch with you. And before long, it's not a stray cat anymore. It's become a part of your family. And that's what some of you have done with sin. What you've done with sin is you've entertained it so much that now it sits on the couch with you. It goes to dinner with you. It sits at the table with you. You know what you need to do with that stray cat? Just like they do in the NFL. Pay lots of money for this. Boop! Touchdown. Talk to me. Don't do that. The imagery is that that's what you would do with sin when it comes knocking. That you wouldn't entertain it. You wouldn't continue to feed it. But you would starve it so it goes away and dies. Manage your mind. Stop watching certain things. Stop infiltrating through the ear gate and the eye gate. Your heart, that's the entrance. All right, here we go, number three. I'm going to close here in just one second. Maintain healthy relationships. If you're going to overcome sexual strongholds, I have something for the young people today. Are you ready for this, young people? Parents, pay attention. Maintain healthy relationships. I don't believe young people understand what healthy relationships are. So listen, I don't think some adults understand what healthy relationships are. But this is for the single people. Any single people in here? Any single people? Any single people? Okay, I see. Hey, single people. All right. Uh, any, any young people? Obviously, that could be the same people. All right, but I want to give you a couple red flags when it comes to relationships. Red flags are those things like when you go to the ocean and they have the red flag on the beach, you don't go out into the ocean. <laughs> and then you're going to die. Okay, the red flag means there's an undercurrent that's going to take you out and swallow you up. So you pay attention to the red flag because at the end of the day, you're on the verge to destruction and death if you don't pay attention to the red flag. And most of the time, we don't pay attention to the red flag because we don't see it in the immediate, the issue. Most of the time when it comes to us buying into the red flag, the, the immediate doesn't show up. It's not an immediate issue that comes out. It's five years down the road that it comes out. So here's some red flags for you. Number one. That person is going in a different spiritual direction than you. That's a red flag. They're going in a different direction with their relationship with God, or they don't have one. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Well, I can just save them. No, you can't. That's called missionary dating. No, you just, you, you can't. It's much easier to pull somebody off of a chair than it is to pull somebody up on a chair. You don't, you don't date somebody to get them to know Jesus. If they're not going in the same direction at the beginning, don't even entertain it. You're going to find somebody that's running as hard as you, and when you look to the side, they're running just as hard as you for Jesus. That would be the person. Number two, 
they're still obsessed with their ex or they talk about other women a lot. That's a red flag. Or vice versa, it could be they talk about other men a lot, their ex. They're constantly bringing up situations with their ex. Number three, they badmouth their previous relationships. Before long, you're gonna be a previous relationship and then guess what, they're gonna badmouth you. That's a red flag. Number four is they always criticize you. If you're with somebody that's tearing you down, if you're with somebody that's criticizing you, listen to me. And some of you are like, wait, I'm, wait, I'm, I'm married to that person. There's a heart issue that has to be fixed. There has to be a repentance and a forgiveness that goes on if you're married to somebody like that. And if you're criticizing your spouse, it's probably not their issue. You need to check in here for a minute. Check in here first. Now, if they're doing stupid, you still don't have a right to criticize. Number five is you have to justify their bad behavior. Oh, you gotta justify it. You gotta justify that what they did. Oh yeah, we, he's okay, you know, he, he did, you know, he, he'll get, he'll repent. No, you won't, you ain't gonna repent. The next one is this, is, is a, a red flag, is your family and friends don't like them. So that's my standard at my house for my kids. I don't like him. Well, you're controlling, so be it. I won't have to deal 10 years down the road with marriage counseling or abuse, things like that, because we started off right. Come on, somebody. If you're a parent, or you're a kid in here, and your parents don't like the person that you're hanging out with, that, that you want to be your potential mate one day, then you probably should listen to them. Been there, done that. Next is this, is they refuse to take responsibility. In other words, they're blame shifters. Next one is this, they have a hard time apologizing. Next one, they have something to hide. Number 10, they're mean to people. If they punch walls, they might punch walls now, but six years later, they might punch you. They're mean to people. They cross boundaries. They rush things. 15-year-old saying, I love you. That's a, hey, that's a boundary that we need to chill on. They rush things. Number three, they control. They control who you see. They control what you do. They control your thought processes. These are 13. I have 100 of these red flags to look for when it comes to relationships. So in order to maintain a healthy relationship, you got to look at the red flags and do the opposite of what the red flag says. So we're gonna look for somebody that doesn't criticize. We're gonna look for somebody that's not mean. We're gonna look for somebody that my parents approve of. And so on and so on. Now listen to this. Listen to what it says. Do not be misled. It means to lead astray, to lead away from the truth, to be deceived, relate. Listen to, listen to this. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be misled, led astray, or deceived. The word deceived brings us back to stronghold. A person that is deceived is in a stronghold. In other words, the people you hang around with will lead you astray. Bad company corrupts good character. Number two, James 5.16 says, make this common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Here's God's way. This is the positive people in your life. This is, the, this is how to maintain healthy relationship is find people that you have no problem sharing your heart with. Find people in your life that you can say, hey man, here's what I did, here's where it's at, and they'll pray for you, and it's, it's so real, it's so authentic, that you turn from your sin, not be encouraged to continue in it. 
maintain healthy relationships. You need a group. You need a couple guys. You need a couple ladies. People that you can confess to. The things in your life that you know is a stronghold in this area. And finally, in closing, maintain or magnify God's plan for my life. If you're going to overcome sexual strongholds, you must magnify God's plan for your life. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 in the message says this, with promises like this to pull us on, God's promises. Dear friends, let's make a clean break. Come on, are you ready for that? Right there it is. You ready for a clean break today? You, you ready for everything? He says, make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts you, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Magnify God's plan for your life. Break free from everything that defiles or distracts you and live a life holy before God and worship Him. This is it today, folks. Here's the bottom line. You're not, when it comes to sexual strongholds, you're not just saying no to something, you're saying yes to something. What do I mean by that? God's plan for your life. You're not just saying no, I don't wanna continue along this path. It's not just saying no that brings freedom. It's saying yes to what God has said about you and then embracing what he said that breaks what's behind you. And when you take, make a decision to not just say no and face this direction, no, 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 you flee sexual immorality and you embrace God's truth in front of you and you start to declare who God says you are. You, car, you start to say that I'm pure, that I'm fit, that my mind is in control. I'm gonna fill my life with people that can help me. I'm gonna surround myself in a group. I'm gonna get some guys that I can talk to. I'm gonna confess my sin. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get somebody to pray for me. And the Bible says that when I confess my sin one to another, he says you'll be healed of it. So today, some of you in this room are dealing with this issue. Some of you in this room are dealing with sexual strongholds. Until you make a decision to go all in, you know, you think God's gonna come down and just hit you with a magic wand, and it, freedom's just gonna fall off the tree like a cherry. No, you gotta go get it. It's already been paid for. I used the illustration this morning with our serve team. Well, let's just pretend for a minute. Everybody close your eyes. Let's pretend I went to the grocery today and I got about seven, eight racks of ribs, 50 pounds of chicken wings, some green beans, some mashed taters, some cream corn, some green bean casserole, made some sweet potato pie, went home, made all these vittles, cooked it real good, I paid for it. I laid it out on the table and I invited you all over and I said, have it. You're not gonna look at me and go, is it your will that I eat these ribs? Is it your holy will, Jason, that I was to eat these chicken wings? I said, have it. I paid for it, I prepared it, so I'm setting it on the table for you to partake of. You don't have to do anything. All you gotta do is receive. That's how freedom works, folks. 2,000 years ago, he done paid the price. 
He done prepared the place. He done prepared the meal. And what he says to you is it is finished. Therefore, partake. Quit trying to get it. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to wonder if it's his will for your life. It is God's will for you to be free. And the Bible says that you're to stand firm in that freedom. So today, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So quit reasoning it. Quit wondering whether or not I can have it. Am I worthy enough? I didn't ask you that question when you came to my house. No, I just said I prepared a table for you. Now partake of it. So that's what God's saying to you today. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to qualify. You can be broken with strongholds today. You can have sexual addiction. You can have financial issues. But just come to the table of where God already provided everything you need for salvation, healing, restoration, transformation. It's all at the table. And he paid for it so all you got to do is reach up and say I wanted Jesus stop looking to the left and to the right for your freedom you'll stay bound in it look up the Bible says for your redemption draws nigh so today if you're in this place and you say I want it that's what I want if it's sexual strongholds, fine. If it's addictions, fine. If it's financial, fine. Whatever it is today, whatever that stronghold is, you say, I want it. I'm going to make that decision today. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to lay aside the distractions. I'm not going to let anything on the right and left get in the way anymore. I'm going to put boundaries in my life, and I'm going to go after God all that he has for my life, and I'm going to find out what he has for me, and I'm going to make a decision to break every stronghold that's in my life today. If that's you in this room, will you raise up your hand all across this place? Just raise up your hand. Come on, who'd be bold about it? Say, man, that's me. I'm tired of dealing with this craziness. I'm tired of going around the tree. I'm tired of messing with it. Come on, man. Let's all stand this morning. A few hands went up. Let's all stand today. We're going to pray. You cannot be a lethargic Christian and expect to be free. Man, it takes fire. It takes work. It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes pushing the plate back. It takes time getting with God. It takes time praying. It takes time fasting. It takes time saying no to stuff. And what you've got in the American church today that you've been taught that you can just sit on your blessed assurance and freedom's going to happen. No, what's going to happen is you're going to stay bound and broken. God says, come out from among them. In other words, come out and receive the love that he has for you. Come out and receive the grace and the mercy and the love that he has for you. And watch me transform your life. That's how things work. So, Father, today in Jesus' name, those that raised their hand this morning, that said yes to this, that said yes, I pray this morning for broken strongholds. I pray today for healing and restoration. I pray today for a new focus. I pray today that you cut off every tentacle of the enemy, every relationship that's not supposed to be there, that they would see the red flag and they would run. They would run without asking, without questioning. Just go. Just run. Just cut it off. Just be done with it. God, if there's marriages in this room that are in this, this arena, that God, that they're struggling in this area, God, I pray today that you would bring a revelation of the new intimacy of love that you have for them but as individuals, that as they fall in love with you, as they look to you for their source, that God, something different will take place between them and their spouse, that there'll be an igniting of intimacy like never before, God, that God, they will lay down everything that gets in the way of that intimacy in order to walk with you. And so today, Lord, we commit it to you, we give it to you, and we say we're gonna pursue it. We're gonna eat from the table of the Lord. We're gonna receive blessing. We're going to receive restoration. We're going to receive transformation and we're going to do it from the table of the Lord. And so today, God, we love you. We thank you for every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com. 